Resurrection Sunday. Is somebody excited in here? <laughs> I know you guys are. If we can't get excited on this day of the year, then we got no right being Christians and getting excited at all, right? This is the day. This is the day when God goes, here's my son. I'm keeping all my promises. He's going all the way for you. He went all the way to the cross, and you know what? And he conquered the cross. He conquered the grave. He came up and out of it, and he announced to the world that I am the son of God. You have freedom from sin. I've given you reconciliation, a right place with God. I'm here to bless your life for all of eternity. Is that good? You guys, okay, here's, here's what I'm thinking. It's, you guys are like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Here's, what, here's the way I see it, right? Because here's the way we see it in, the, in the, the artistic renderings of the resurrection was Jesus came out of the tomb, and he's just like glowing, and he's like, oh. And everybody's like, he's so holy. But here's what I think Jesus was all about. Okay, watch this. Here's what it is. I wish there was more stairs. Right? That's Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but if I was Jesus, I'd be doing something like that, right? Uh, Satan, by the way, you thought you had me, huh? A couple days ago. You thought I was down. You thought I was dead. Boom, what now? Right? If I was Jesus, I would be like, come on, right? And we know he's a humble king and he's all of that. But can you imagine when Thomas came to him, doubting Thomas, right? Nah, I don't believe he came back from the dead. No way. I'm not going to believe it until I can put my hands in his scars and wear, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Can you imagine when Jesus shows up? Bing! He's in the room, right? And they're like, whoa, is that a ghost? He goes, no, it's me. He goes, hey, Thomas. He's like, oh, yeah? He goes, check it out, buddy. Holes in the hands from the nails. Check out my side from the spear. What now, Thomas? <laughs> Who's doubting Thomas now, right? Can you imagine? I know that that's not our king, but for me, that's what I think of. I'm like, he conquered. He's victorious. He's our savior. He did everything. He's the reason I live. I wouldn't have anything. I wouldn't know God the way I know him if it wasn't for what Jesus did on the cross. That's Resurrection Sunday. Somebody get excited about that. Come on. <laughs> Amen. I can always count on you guys. 11 a.m. service is the loudest service. I love you guys. Thank you, you guys, for making me feel good. Yeah. I may not be that funny or that cool, but you guys make me feel good. So just thank you for that, who you are. That's good. Um, one of the things that the resurrection did for us, and I want to talk about this here today, is that you know, we can talk about the healing. We can talk about the new life. We can talk about being made right with God. And it's all of that amazing things. But I think it did for us personally, one of the things that I hold on to is it gave my life purpose. Can you guys say purpose? Purpose, purpose right. I just did that because you guys want to talk, yeah? Um, gave our lives purpose. See, there's a problem with all of us, with mankind, even as Christians sometimes, to be honest. We kind of lose sight of our goal and everything, and we, we lose sight of purpose. And you ask people in life um, the heavy question, like, hey, what are you here on planet Earth for? And that's like, uh, right? And people will be like, well, to to, to uh, just be a good person and influence other people. Oh, okay, that's good. Some people are just like, party, you know, like have a good time. And, and people don't know what their purpose is. What's your purpose? Um, to raise good kids. And see, I got, I got a family. I got a beautiful wife front row right here. And my other daughter was up here worshiping with her this morning. And I got three awesome kids. And so every morning I wake up and I go, that, that's part of my responsibility in life. Be a good husband, be a good dad, take care of them. I got a good job that I work at, 
that's you guys right here, right? And so I, I lead a church, and I got to shepherd people. And then there's, there's stuff, responsibilities in my life. I got to take care of myself. I got to make sure I'm, I'm eating healthy. I'm physically fit or whatever. I got to make sure that I'm, I'm feeding my interests, and I'm growing intellectually and spiritually. And there's stuff I got to look at. But I believe that at the end of the day, when you look at all of that stuff, that we could still take a look at our lives and go, is, is that enough? I, that's what I've been given. But is that just a random chain of events? Is that just a, a, an accident that I'm, that I'm just in this lot in life and that's where I am and that's where I'm stuck? Is, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Am I making a mark? Am I making a difference? Do I have any significance or meaning? If I wasn't here right now anymore, would people miss me? Is there, is there anything to my life? And we don't like to think those thoughts because those are like, oh, that's too heavy, man. Don't talk about that. But the reality is we've only been given a short amount of time here on this planet. See, this past two weeks, we've lost uh, three of our church members have gone and passed away and gone to Jesus. And we're, we're praising God because we know where they are. We know that we're going to see them again someday. But the loss is still there. And it causes you to think life really is short, shorter than we think. And have we done and are we doing all that we're expected to do? Are we doing the most that we can? Is there meaning to my life? And I believe that through the, the Easter message, the resurrection and what Jesus did for us is one of the greatest things he did besides forgiveness and being made right with God is he's given us a new purpose to live. You guys believe that? I want to talk about that today is that Jesus has given us purpose in our lives. I believe that Jesus lived his life on purpose so that we could live a life of purpose. Jesus was a man that he was the son of God, but he came man just like us, but he lived a life of intention. The earliest, one of the earliest readings we have about Jesus' life, you know, we, we knew about when he was born, he's a baby. But when he's 12 years old, there's a story of Jesus in the Gospels. That's a, kind of a cool story. Is it uh, Jesus and his mom and dad, Mary and Joseph, and a bunch of other people had all kind of caravaned and traveled in from all out, outside lands, and they made the journey into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast, right? To celebrate what God did in, in uh, freeing the, uh, his people from the angel of death when he came. It's an Old Testament story. And they're just celebrating the victory and the, the freedom that um, they have in God. So they celebrate for like a week-long celebration. Then they're all headed back to their lands where they came from. And they're in big caravans traveling together like road trip, you know, like donkeys and walking. And everybody's like, yeah, party. So they're all going back to where they are. And, and Joseph and Mary, they're kind of like, hey, you know what? We don't have Jesus with us, but he's somewhere. He's with everybody. He's safe. And then they finally get back to where they're going. They settle down for dinner. And they're kind of like, Mary, where's your boy? Oh, my boy. He's your boy, Joseph. Where's your boy? I don't know, man. He's late for dinner. He's not here. Where is he? And they lost Jesus, their 12-year-old son. Can you believe that? We uh, lost the son of God. Sorry about that, right? And so they go back to Jerusalem. They don't know where he is. And they're searching for three days, looking all over for him. And you know where he is? They find him. He's in the temple. And he's hanging out with all the old guys, the smart guys, the, the religious people, the, the, the people that know about the things of God. And he's talking with them. And he's asking them questions. And he's speaking with them and having this conversation. 12-year-old kid. And Mary and Joseph come in. They're like, Jesus. Where are you? What are you doing? Get over here, right? And he's like, Mom. I'm paraphrasing, by the way, right? He's like, he's like Mom, why are you looking? Why did you need to search? Didn't, didn't you know I would be in my father's house about my father's business? And they're just kind of like scratching their head like, oh, what? You know, he, he ran away from home. And he's like, yeah, you knew I'd be here. See, here's a kid at 12 years old. He knew his purpose in life. He knew what he was all about. Then think about this. There's many times in Scripture that mentions Jesus healing people, right? He's healing people and in the power of God, people are blind, now they can see. 
People have leprosy and suddenly their skin is made whole and they're healed and all of this. And they're so excited. They're like, we got to tell people this is amazing. And Jesus goes, hold it. Don't say anything. They're like, what? And then Peter, when Jesus said, hey, Peter, who do you think I am? You think I'm just a, a cool guy, a prophet? Who do you think I am? And Peter goes, no, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God. We know who you are. I'm going to tell everybody. And again, Jesus goes, no, Peter, hold it. Yeah, I did miracles in your life. Yeah, you know I'm the son of God. Don't tell anyone. You know, that this actually happened in the Bible. Don't tell anyone because my time and my hour has not yet come yet to reveal myself and who I am. And you'd be going, what? why? Why would he do that? Here's the answer. Jesus lived his life on purpose. He knew what he was doing. He knew when things were supposed to happen and what was supposed to be revealed. And he goes, I, I live my life on purpose. I know what's going down. See, when, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night when he was arrested, right before he was arrested and put on trial and eventually killed for crimes he didn't do, right? He's in the garden. He's praying, Father, I know what's about to happen. I know what I'm about to go through, and it's going to hurt, and it's not going to be fun. And man, I'm not looking forward to this thing. And he goes, Dad, is there any way that I don't have to go through what is supposed to happen right now? Is there any way you could take this cup of bitter suffering away from me, right? And basically, at the end of saying that, is there any way I don't have to do it? He goes, but really, it's not my will, but yours be done. There's a guy that lived his life on purpose, and he knew what he was all about. When he was brought before trial, before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, he, he said this, Pontius Pilate um, connects with Jesus, and he's going, why are all these Jews mad at you? What have you done? Who are you? What's going on? Are you a king? And that's what Jesus says in John 18, 36. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. And then he says this profound statement, for this cause I was born and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now here's a guy that lived his life on purpose. Every second of every day, of every situation he encountered, of every talk and conversation that he had mattered to Jesus. And he was doing it for something and someone. And he was doing it for us. Jesus lived a life on purpose so that we ourselves could live a life of purpose. See, here's the gospel message. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And here's what it means. In the beginning... When God created us, he created mankind because he wanted to have a loving relationship with us. I want to be a father, and I want them to be my kids. I created the animals, but they don't have the same free will and the same soul as mankind does. I want someone that can choose me and have a relationship with me. I want to take care of them. I want to be their father, their provider. Well, the problem was sin came into the world. Temptation, right? And mankind basically said, we love you, God, but we're also going to go check out our own way. Is that okay? And so sin came in, and we kind of walked away from the things of God and his purposes. And God says that sin has consequences. It makes you dirty. You can't be in his presence because he is a perfect and holy God. And so now we pay the consequences of walking life away from him. So he came up with this in the Old Testament times, the Ten Commandments, the law, the prophets that would come and instruct God's people how to get their lives right to have relationship with him. But the problem was in all of that, we fell short. We couldn't pull it off. We couldn't keep living by the law. It was hard. It was difficult for us to do. So we still fell out of God's good graces, and we couldn't have that relationship with them. And God goes, but I love them so much. I created them. I want them back in that original relationship with me. I love them. I got to provide a way back. 
So someone has to pay the price for their consequences of sin. But it can only be someone who is perfect and holy that pays a price that fulfills all the requirements of the law. So Jesus came. He came in the form of a man. He walked the earth. He lived sinlessly. He taught us about the Father. He taught us how to have relationship. And then he paid the ultimate price. And this is what brings us to Easter today. He went to that cross. He kind of in his spirit was going, I don't know if I can do this, God, but you know what? I'm living my life on purpose for you because this is a, this is a big plan that's going to work out. So he went to the cross to pay the price. And then he rose again to f- defeat death and to defeat sin so it could give us hope at now being brought back into the right relationship with God where it all started. If we would receive what he did for us, then the world is made right again between him and God. Remember this. Jesus died for every sing- single human being on earth. Not just some people. He died for all of us, but what we got to understand is we all have the choice to say yes to him or to say no and to keep doing our own thing. And I believe that when we say yes and we understand what the message of the cross is all about, we align our lives with his purposes, suddenly we have meaning in our lives. Suddenly we're living for something that's bigger than just Carl Moore and his selfish interests in his little life. But suddenly I realize I'm living for God and his purposes, and I'm here to make a difference in this world. And he's going to come by my side and empower me to live a life of meaning and purpose that's bigger than I could have ever imagined. Jesus lived a life on purpose so I could have a life of purpose. And when Jesus conquered death and when he came out on Resurrection Sunday, again, it's that whole Rocky Balboa, yo, Adrian, I did it, right? That's when Jesus like took took a charge and he said, it's done, it's over, this is it. This is the way to have relationship with God and everything changed. Um, And what is our main purpose, right? Oh, okay, I want to live for the purposes of God. Well, time and time again, it says this in scripture. Man's purpose is to glorify God. The reason that we came is that we would glorify God. That was the original intent back in the Garden of Eden. I'm creating them that they would glorify me and have a relationship with me. We messed up and we've forgotten what our purpose is. But God expects that if we're saying yes to him, then we would live a life in everything that we do that glorifies God. And Jesus made it even simpler. When someone came along and he goes, what's the most important commandment? God, I heard you say a lot of things. What's most important? And Jesus goes, hey, good question. But it's a real simple answer. It involves two things. Matthew 22, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Got that? The relationship between us and God. And he goes, there's a second one that's equally important. Not less important, equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, love other people. It's real simple. How do we live a life of purpose? Loving God and loving other people around us. It's simple. And he says, in doing that, suddenly our lives take on new meaning. And we don't have to die wondering and confused and what's my life all about? Am I making a difference? Am I doing my best? Does anybody think what I'm doing is good? Would anybody miss me? God goes, no, you're right in alignment. Watch what I'm going to do with your life right now as I begin to move in your life in these ways. And there's there's a passage in scripture where the apostle Paul in the New Testament in Romans, he um, points out that God's purpose for you is bigger than you, but it's what God wants to do in you and through you. And he says, this is how easy it is to live it out. Don't make it, I don't want you guys coming to church here today going, okay, I'm going to hear the whole religious spiel and I got to do all of these things and it's going to be all of this like religion and law and regulations and rules. It's not about that. Paul actually says it's this easy in Romans 12 the message version, I like it because it really simplifies it. He says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you, in other words, you don't have to do it on your own. It's not about what you do. It's about saying yes to God. He's going to help you. He says, take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, taking out the rubbish, doing the dishes, going to your job, going to school. Take your normal, ordinary life, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. 
Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and then quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you. God brings the best out of you. It says he develops well-formed maturity in you. Okay, here's what it means to have purpose in this life. Give your normal life who you actually are right now, who you walked in the room with, and just lay it at God's feet and go, God, here's my life. I want to live for your purposes. He's not saying that you all have to go get super holy and cleaned up and you all have to be pastors or priests or missionaries or work in the church or or anything like that. God might call you to something like that because that stuff's been known to happen. It kind of happened to me. I wasn't ready for it, but it happened and it's good, right? But you know what God's saying is, take just who you are right now. Simple message of the cross. Just take your life right now and live for the purposes of God. You know, in my life, when I was about 13 or 14 years old, that's when everything clicked for me. I understood the whole God message when I got it. My dad guys were pastors, and I should know everything. And, you know, I was as a little kid, I, I asked Jesus into my heart, and I became a follower of Jesus. But it really clicked for me when I was about 13 or 14 years old. And I just got the understanding of what it's all about, that God is actually real. He's good. He's powerful. He wants to do good things in my life. If I just do the simple thing, surrender my life and begin living for him and his purposes. So at 13 years old, I really didn't have much of a life to surrender, right? Think about when you're 13. Well, God, I'm hitting puberty right now, and that's kind of cool, I guess, you know? Uh, God, I'm not getting the, the best grades in school right now. I don't have much to give you. I don't have a career. You know, I don't, I don't know what all my giftings are. But as a 13-year-old kid, 14 years old, whatever I was, I remember just going, God, here's all I am. Here's all I got. You know what I like to do, God? I like to surf, right? That, that was all I had. God, is there any way that if I line my life up with your purposes, you could make it so I still get to surf the rest of my, the days of my life? That'd be kind of cool, God. That's all I got to give you, right? And here's the deal. I didn't go on and become a professional surfer. I didn't make a career out of that. That's not what he did. But what he did, he's, he used that 14-year-old kid's life, which just involved a love for surfing at the time. He allowed me to use that sport and that surfboard as a tool of ministry and service and purpose unto him. That throughout my growing up years and things that I did, I, I became a youth pastor at a church in Huntington Beach. And you know the way that I brought everybody to the Lord? Through surfing. My surfboard became a holy tool, if you can imagine that, yeah? So, so husbands, tell your wives, that's possible. Let me go surf, babe. It's, it's a holy tool for God, right? No, but that's what happened. I met tons of kids in Huntington Beach, and the way we drew them all in was through surfing, me going out in the water and meeting people and talking to them about God and church and inviting them to church. And, and we had like two kids in our youth group that turned into almost 200 kids. And, and God was moving. We had the whole Huntington Beach High School surf team in our youth group. And it was just awesome stuff. And then I moved back to Hawaii. And again, I got to use the gift of surfing every weekend, taking kids and discipling people and leading Bible studies through something that way back then when I was 13 years old seemed so like silly and meaningless and dumb. And that's all I had to give God. But you know what God's saying? That's all I'm looking for. Whatever you got, I'll take it, and I'll do something incredible with it. And from surfing, I became a pastor. Isn't that cool? See, here's another thing. I was talking to my friend this last week. We were out at um, 
down at the corner, Cam Highway down here, Burger King, First Hawaiian. And we were down there as a church, of, I don't know how many of us, 100, couple hundred or whatever, and we were passing out water bottles to our community. Was anybody involved with that? We were just blessing Kanioi. Let's just give people free water because we're a church, we're supposed to love on people, right? Too many people stand at the same corner with the nets trying to get something. We want to do the opposite because that's who Jesus called us to be. So let's just go give free water bottles away. I know it's not a big deal. It's like whatever. We do other stuff around the community. We do cleanups and we raise money and we're investing in stuff in Castle High School. We do a bunch of other stuff. But we just thought, how fun would it be to just give people free water bottles? So we're down there, and we're at the stoplight, and I'm talking to my friend, and we're by the light because we're having to call out when it turns red because people are in the road like, red, don't get run over. And everybody runs out, you know, and we're, we're sitting up there. But I'm talking to my friend, and he's telling me about his life. He's telling me about how he came from a bad background, and he lived out on the west side, and he kind of had some authority over the guys running kind of some of the bad operations out there, and there was drugs involved, and he did some time in jail, and he was telling me about his time in jail and all that stuff, and then he said, but that's not where I'm at now, and I go, yeah, I know. You're in our church, and you're doing this, and he goes, yeah. When he decided to surrender all that he had to the purposes of God, God did something incredible with it. That means he didn't really have a whole lot to give to God. In fact, he had some ugly failures and a messed up life, but God likes that too. And so he gave him, here's my experience, God, and all of that stuff, it's not too good. So you know what he's doing right now? He found purpose in life. He's running the Celebrate Recovery Group that's in our church that is ministering to people who are like him, hooked on addictions, using stuff, doing bad stuff, and now he's bringing purpose. You guys understand that? So... The deal with God is, what he's saying is, the reason we can have a life of purpose is it's not even that hard. Just be who you are, but surrender to God and watch God turn it into something beautiful. And I believe living according to this purpose, it, it calls us to do a couple things. That when I realize what purpose is really about, number one, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I'm taking God seriously. First and foremost, that in my life, I, I make room for God. I take serious priority that God's number one in my life. The one prayer that I pray for my kids every day whenever I think to pray for my kids I pray, God, I just pray that they would grow up knowing you and they'd put you first in life. Yes. See, I got three kids. My oldest, 16, Kylie, she's beautiful. She's talented in art. She doesn't like school all that much. She might turn out to be an incredible artist or a model. I don't know what she's going to do. It doesn't matter to me as long as she knows God, as long as God's a priority in her life. My 13-year-old son, he's hooked. He's on the surf bug now, so he's just freaking out. Dad, take me surfing. Take me surfing. Videotape me, Dad. Film me. Take me surfing. And he just wants to surf all the time. Right now, you ask him, what do you want to be? Pro surfer. Okay, okay. He might grow up to be a pro surfer. My youngest, six years old, I don't know what she's going to do. She wants to be a rock and roll singer. She wants to take over the world, right? Watch out, world. Sammy is coming. Watch out, seriously. Hide your kids. Lock your cars, because I don't know what's going to... Sammy is on the move. I don't know what she's going to grow up to be. It's going to be something incredible. But for all three of my kids, all I pray, I don't care what they become. That's all details. All I know is that they put God first in their lives and they take God seriously. The rest is details. It's all good. Everything works out. Listen to this verse in, in Micah. Micah 6, 8 said, but he's already made it plain how to live and what to do. What God is looking for in men and women is quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love and don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. It's that easy, yeah? It starts with just taking God seriously. This past week, We've been fasting. A lot of us as a church, you guys fasted with me, the Daniel fast? All right. God gave us good stuff. We're pressing in. You know what fasting is? It's abstaining from food. You can either do all food. We were doing partial foods. We were doing like the good foods, like the meats and the, the cheeses and the deep fried stuff and all that. And we were living off twigs and berries and nuts and tofu and I don't know what else we were eating, vegetables and quinoa, you know, 
all of that kind of stuff, right? And the reason we're going without the good stuff is it's a reminder to say, I don't need to rely on that stuff for satisfaction. I need to rely on God for satisfaction. So we were pressing in for a week or two just to get more from God in our lives. And it was really good, and I learned a lot of stuff. But one of the things I learned outside of the spiritual lessons was it's really hard to cook good food for other people when you can't eat that food. (laughs) My kids came home Thursday night, and they're hungry, and my wife said, throw in a pizza. And so we had the frozen pizzas, right? And I threw it in the oven, and uh, the pizza's cooking, and it came out, and it's done. And I got to tell you guys this, pizza is my kryptonite. Pizza is like my weakness. I don't know why, but I've fallen in love with pizza in new ways over the past few years. It's a new bromance that I have with pizza. And I love Papa John's pizza, Domino's pizza, Pizza Hut pizza, Tombstone pizzas from the frozen foods aisle. I love the little pizza rolls. I love the pizza bagel bites. I love pizza combos, anyone? The combos? Pizza Pringles? I love pizza. And so I'm over there cooking pizza that I cannot eat for my kids. And it comes out of the oven, and I'm seriously just like this. (sighs) Don't eat it, don't eat it, don't eat it, right? And I got to cut it up, and the kids are all, can we have the Parmesan cheese too? And I'm like, oh, man, you're killing me. The green Parmesan cheese, right? And I got to serve it to them, and I'm literally just watching them eat it. I'm like, you know? And I eat the whole pizza, and I'm like, Oh, I made it. I held out. God, I love you. I did it. I did it, right? Then my oldest daughter comes home. Oh, Dad, is there any more pizzas? Can you make one for me? I'm like, ah, right? Extra pepperoni. Ah. She goes up to her room to change and shower and everything. And I I was cooking the pizza. I literally came out of the oven. I was so tempted. I got to confess to you guys as a pastor. I literally almost just lied to my daughter and said, we ran out of pizzas. It's gone. Because I was ready to just pound that whole thing myself. Literally, I was like, I'm just going to, I got to do it. I got to break the fast. God will understand, right? (laughs) But he probably wouldn't, and I didn't. And I maintained. But you know why I maintained? Because I take God seriously. I made a commitment to him, and sometimes in life, it's really hard to not want to do your own thing. But if you want to live for a bigger purpose and a bigger meaning, you live for the purposes of God. You take God seriously. And so I think we got to take him seriously. It's not a once a week thing. I meet with God at church. It's every day going, there's stuff I want to do, but that's not God's perfect plan for my life. His purposes are bigger than me. And so I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to take him seriously. And then I think one of the things we got to be do when we, we got to be ready for when we do that is you better be ready to make changes in your life. No one likes change, but change is good if it's for the purposes of God. See, when God is moving anywhere and in anyone, he's going to bring about change because he doesn't want you to stay stagnant where you are. He wants to make you better. It says in scripture that day by day, we're becoming made more in the image of Christ in his likeness. He's trying to improve our lives. That means don't get too comfortable where you're at because God, when you throw your lot in with God and go, okay, God, you do what you need to do. God's going to do good stuff, but it's going to be a little bit different than what you've already done. So be ready for that change. If you're in a season of change right now in your life, but you know that God is in it, then let go and ride along with what God's trying to do because I promise he's going to take you somewhere good. That's the purposes that we have in our lives. And it's a purpose that one of the purposes I learned in surfing is this, purpose about life is to succeed in life. And the same thing with succeeding with the Lord's purposes is I got to look past the waves and not at them. That in surfing, how many, anybody surfed in here before ever? Come on, we live on an island. You guys are missing it. You're blowing it if you're not at the beach. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just a little scolding for today. We're surrounded by water, guys. Get in there. It's a special place. We live in Hawaii. Make use of the ocean, right? 
Um, sharks are friendly. It's all good. Just get in the water now. But here's something I learned from surfing is a lot of times when you're surfing, well, every time when you're surfing, you don't want to be right in where the waves are because you're going to get beat up by the waves. You want to be the spot just past the waves where they're forming and they're starting to break because then you have control over which wave you decide to ride on. You have control over riding that wave and conquering that wave, and the wave is not conquering you. Anyways, that's the ideal that we shoot for. But a lot of times growing up, I remember when you're, you're going out somewhere bigger than you ever went before, in North Shore or somewhere, and you're like, oh, man, the waves are big. And the tendency is, as you're paddling out, to look at the waves and focus on the waves. The waves could kill me. The waves could knock me to the reef. The waves could do this. And you're looking at them, and you're just like, you know what? Maybe I should just turn around and go in. But if you go in, you know what you're missing out on? What it's like when you get to the other side and actually riding those waves and how fun that is. And I believe in life, too. If you're throwing your, your lot in with God and you're saying, God, I want to live for your purposes, there's going to be waves. There's going to be things in your life whether right now it's tax season and you're getting blasted and you're going, God, why? Or you're in the middle of something heavy with a relationship. There's been people betraying you or it's divorce or it's something heavy. There's going to be waves. Whether it's, it's, it's something that has to do with just uh, uh, friendships or with money or maybe it's Easter and you're going, I don't even have anyone to share Easter with. I'm kind of bummed. I'm kind of lonely. I'm falling into depression. Maybe you battle with anxiety or it's sickness. There's going to be waves in life. But if you live with God's purposes, he says, don't look at the waves. Look at what's past the waves. I want to get you there. And I have the power to help you because I'll come alongside you. Keep paddling, Christian. Keep paddling. Learn how to duck dive. Get under those waves because there's something good that's waiting for you on the other side. That is a life that's lived with purpose that we can look past the waves and not look at the waves. Is that good? And here's the last thing I believe that God is telling us in the, in the matter of living with purpose. And that is that we are to live for his reality of who we are, not our perception. Does that make sense? Don't base your life on what you see in the mirror because you're going to look down and all you're going to see is all your flaws, your weaknesses. I wake up every morning and I start looking at just who I think I am and I'm going to say, oh, I think I'm a pretty good husband. Oh, that guy's doing it better than me. Dang. I think I'm, I'm a good dad to my kids. Oh, I'm not as good as that person. Ah, I'm junk. Oh, God, I'm trying to pastor a good church. I'm trying to be a good friend. I'm trying to do this. Oh, look at all the guys doing better than you. And I just get all beat up and I get all brought down. See, I feel like a nobody when the reality is God says, you're somebody. Carl, you've got a family that does love you and you love them and you're doing great things. Keep up the good work. And you know what? You're speaking life and encouragement into your friends. Keep doing that. You're a success in my book. And you know what? That church that you're a pastor of, that's a growing, thriving church. People are finding Jesus. The Holy Spirit is moving in miraculous ways. They're reaching their community. They're reaching their families. Stuff is happening for my kingdom purposes. Carl Moore, you are a champion. And see, the reality is we need to tell ourselves it's not about my perception. It's about God's reality. And God's promises for me are always greater than my potential for myself, right? And that he's saying this in Romans 8, 11, It's a reminder that the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you, lives in me. So don't focus on your perception. It's God's reality. And here's what it looks like. Because I was looking for a, an example of something that I could show you. This is what I think a life living for God's bigger purposes than yourself looks like. And I found a video someone sent me on um, the internet, an email. And it's not a Christian commercial. It's actually a commercial for a foreign uh, life insurance company. But I think if you watch it, you're going to see that it makes the point of what we're talking about here, living bigger purposes than yourself. Check out this video. It's pretty cool.
าจะได้อะไรถ้าเขาทำแบบนี้ทุกวันจะไม่ได้อะไรเลยไม่ได้รวยขึ้นไม่ได้ออกทีวีไม่มีใครรู้จักไม่ได้มีชื่อเสียงที่มากขึ้นสิ่งที่เขาได้คือได้แค่ความรู้สึกได้เห็นความสุขได้เข้าใจได้ความรักในสิ่งที่เงินซื้อไม่ได้ได้โลกที่สวยงามกว่าเดิมในชีวิตคุณอะไรคือสิ่งที่คุณต้องการมากที่สุดไทยประกันชีวิตเชื่อในความดีใจเย็นซีวีอลวันจะเป็นนั่นคนนี้ยะวิวันจะชีวิตของเราแบบนี้ได้แต่เราสามารถแต่คุณรู้ไหมว่าเราสามารถชีวิตได้ดีกว่านั้นนั่นคือสินค้าชีวิตของเราเราสามารถทำได้ดีกว่านั้นนั่นคือสินค้าชีวิตของเราเราสามารถทำได้ดีกว่านั้นนั่นคือสินค้าชีวิตของเราเราสามารถทำได้ดีกว่านั้นนั่นคือสินค้าชีวิตของเราเราสามารถทำได้ดีกว่านั้นนั่นคือสินค้าชีวิตของเราเราสามารถทำได้ดีกว่านั้นนั่นคือสินค้าชีวิตของเราเราสามารถทำได้ดีกว่านั้น See, when we give our lives, whoever we are, whatever we got, whatever talents, whatever gifts, whatever failures we have, we give them to God's purposes. God says, "I can do something incredible with that." That's all I'm asking for: is a willing heart and a person that's ready to live live their life for my purposes. You guys want to live a life of purpose here today? Let's bow our heads and let's pray for that right now. God, we we come before you, Father. We thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for going through with it. You went all the way to the cross, and we know it hurt you. We know that it was a terrible thing that you had to deal with, but Lord, you did it for us. You lived your life on purpose so that we could live a life of purpose. So, Lord, I pray that we would commit that to you right now. Lord, that we commit our lives to living beyond ourselves, and our purpose isn't just about ourselves, but our purpose is about glorifying you through giving our lives to you and through through blessing the world around us. Through us, Father God, as you move in our lives, and we don't have to do it alone because you're there to help us. We don't have to come perfect and holy and clean and religious. We just come to you where we're at in our brokenness and whoever we are right now. We just come to you, 
And Lord, you're the one that's going to stand beside us and behind us and in us. And you're going to back us up and you're going to do incredible things in this world around us. Lord, that we can go to sleep at night, every night, knowing that we're making a difference. We're doing something big that's outside of ourselves. And this life is being made better because we are in it, because we are surrendered and submitted to you, Father God, and your purposes for us. Thank you, Jesus, for making that possible at the cross and coming out of that grave and the resurrection power that you've put on display in our lives. Help us to live with that purpose in mind. Father, if there's people in this room that don't know you yet, I want to say a prayer for them as well. And maybe you're here today, and I'm speaking to you, and you're, you're at a point in life where you've never truly, honestly lived for the purposes of God but you'd like to. You understand that there's a God that has your back, that loves you. He sent his son to take a hit for you so you wouldn't have to. That he came to pay the price so that we could have a relationship with God, both now in this lifetime and for all eternity in heaven. And that you're maybe at a point in life right now where you're, you're looking for purpose and you believe that God could show you what it's all about, what life is really all about and have meaning. And that he's, he's a God that is waiting for you to just come to him and it doesn't have to be a religious thing at all. It's just building this relationship with this God that created you. It's coming back to original intent that God had for you. And so what we're going to do right now as we're praying is I'm going to say a prayer with you and for you. If you're at a point in your life where you've never really committed to God before in a real way, but you're, you want to. It's just a step of faith just to say yes to God. Take your normal everyday walking around life and just lay it at his feet and go, God, here, what could you do with this? promise you God will meet you and he's going to do incredible things in your life. I'd love to lead you in a prayer that will get you there, that will make things right between you and him. And how we're going to do it real quick is uh, everybody in this room is praying. We have our eyes closed and our heads bowed, but I'm going to ask in a minute who wants to make this prayer with me. And I'm going to pray the words out loud. And I'm just going to ask you right now in this crowded room to not have to pray them out loud, but you pray it in your heart of hearts, the words that I'm saying. And after service is all over, then you can go tell somebody. You can go let somebody know and have be accountable. Hey, I prayed that prayer. I'm a Christian. God would be blessed. He would honor you if you would honor him in that way. But first step is I'm going to say a prayer out loud. I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me in your heart of hearts. God sees you. He's so blessed that you'd be taking this step towards him today. He's been waiting for you for so long. So if that's what you'd like to do, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I'm just going to ask that you would raise your hand to let me know you want to pray that prayer with me. Nobody else is looking at you, but I want to know who I'm praying with, and I want you to tell me who it is that wants to pray that prayer. If you're ready to, to receive all that God has for you, to give your life for his purposes, to be a Christian, on the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Would you lift your hand and hold it up until I see you? Keep it up. I just want to look around. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. I don't know. 23 at least, people. Praise God. Go ahead and put your hands out. If I didn't see you, really it doesn't matter. God saw you. God is so stoked right now on this commitment that you're making because more than the hand, it's the heart that's open right now. It's the life that you're giving control of to God and to his purposes in your life. So I want you to just pray this with me in your heart of hearts right now. As I pray the words out loud, you just pray it with me in your heart. God hears you. It goes like this. God, I'm here today and I need you. I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins, that you, you took the payment. You took my sins on you and you paid it off by dying and putting it to death on the cross. And Lord, you did the impossible. 
you came back from the dead. You promised uh, that you were going to do so, and you fulfilled your promise. That you came back, the Son of God, you triumphed over death and over sin and guilt and shame in my life if I would believe in you. So Lord, I believe that you did that. I believe that you paid the price for me, and I thank you for that. Lord, from this moment on, I will live for you. I promise to, to not just be concerned with me, but Lord, to live for your purposes, that you'd show me how to live. As I give my life to you, you give it back new and improved and better with bigger purposes in mind than I could ever have for myself. Father God, I, I thank you for what you've done. I commit my life to you as I repent of the life I was living, and I, I come to you right now. Lord, I promise from this day forward to, to live for the things of you, to get to know you as I get a Bible and read it and learn to pray just talking to you. As I get baptized as a symbol of, of outwardly showing the world that I've died to my old self and I'm a new creation now. Lord, as I plug into a local church, this church or any church that teaches the Bible and your truth, that you'd be part of the family of God so that you could be blessed and challenged and equipped further. But Lord, everything that it is that you have for me, Lord, your Holy Spirit, I need power. I need the, all the help I can get. Lord, my answer right now is yes. Lord, I want my life to be about your purposes and your plans. Thank you for loving me and accepting me as I am this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, the church said, amen. Let's praise God for those people this morning. Yeah. Woo. Unbelievable. That's why we do what we do. If that was you that raised your hand, welcome to the family. Welcome to our church. We're going to ask you one thing on your way out the door after this last song here. We're going to ask that you would take a little bit of a, it's on your right now, my left, that door right over there that says connect. There's a connect center. They want to hook you up with a free Bible, some info about our church. Um, make, make plans to get baptized. You can get baptized next weekend in services. There's a new believers class. There's all kind of stuff. They just want to give you the next steps. What do I do now? They'll help you out over there. If you came this morning and you like what you heard, but you're still going, ah, I got something in my heart. I'm kind of struggling. I got a burden. We have an incredible prayer team that's back there that just wants to stand beside you, lift your prayer needs up to God, and they would love to pray with you and for you. We have got some goodies and some poo-poos and snacks in the courtyard for after service. But has this been a good Easter morning service for you guys? Can you guys stand up with us right now? And let's worship our God.